Knockout Ginger, episode 30-something with Chris Platt. He's been on before. You know him and you love him. Guitar player, composer, band leader. He's got a new record out. Thanks for listening. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters. I mean, uh, so yeah, uh, Bandcamp is, you know, it's long been the best place to actually, you know, get money to artists for their work, and it's so 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 yeah, it's it's available on Bandcamp. You can get hard copies, uh, and you can get the digital download, and that is the other than you know ha- handing just cash to like an artist that's the best which may never happen again yeah (laughs) the cash cash world might stop existing um forever uh but uh what was i gonna say it was hey listen just stop talking let me interrupt you we got (laughs) we're going off the rails but but wait <laughs> but i mean you you've you've noticed this as well like bandcamp has really you know hit a stride in terms of their uh just activism you know like uh, on the onset of uh of the whole pandemic they were doing they did like multiple days where all the pro all the their uh processing fees were going towards artists and now you know uh was it the NAACP that they were donating their uh, yeah. processing fees to? Like, I can't believe that the other streaming platforms aren't trying to one up them. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. But like, Bandcamp is just like just leaving everyone in the dust. Like, they're uh, at least from my perspective as someone who puts music in the world. Yeah, I think uh, they're kind of. Uh, well, continue. What were you going to say? I that I actually didn't mean to interrupt you that time. Just, just, just more of the same. Just uh, that they're, um, you know, it do, it doesn't seem like any of the other streaming pl- platforms uh, are trying to keep up with them in in that regard. You know, I think they've. So the I've got this, unfortunately whenever anyone thinks that something is a good thing, I have to dig in deeper and go, Hey, wait a second. Is it actually a good thing? <laughs> That's fair. That's skepticism. That's uh, and doing due diligence. Do you find something? Well, no, I just, the more I think about it, like if like, just think about the world and how music is right now and how, how we buy and sell music like so th- just the days that they're not donating their profits to charity and they do yeah. like that like once every couple of months they do a a day where the artists get all of the all of the money and they don't take yeah. their cut why is that a big deal that we get all of the money of the records that we sell you know what i'm saying yeah, I see where I see what you're getting at. Like they're and... not as good as like they're doing a pretty good job of making themselves okay, but like big picture, 
Why is it such a miraculous thing that one day every couple months we get all the money from our record? Yeah, fair. And um, I don't have any attachment to Bandcamp other than like I have my music up there. But I also have my music up you know, everywhere you can stream it. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. And if I, I, I think the only if you had a purely benevolent uh, music purveyor, uh, you know, they could easily one up Bandcamp by, uh, you know, you know, giving close to or actually giving, you know, a hundred percent of their of their money, but uh, then becomes uh, like a revenue stream uh, issue, right? Because you can't have that kind of infrastructure and not have have it work. You know, it, in order for it to work, you need to pay people to make it work, right. or at least that's what it seems like from the outside looking in. I don't know how. I mean, I I run my own website, which is not a spectacular website, but it doesn't seem to take all that much work. But I'm also not writing code or anything. Yeah, me neither. You know, uh, I don't I don't really know the nuts and bolts of, of what it takes. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Like it should. It would be. It'd be nice if, if there was a, an even better. Platform, but the I guess where my praise is coming from, too, and where like other people's praise might come from is, you know, the anchoring effect of. Everyone else. So you have other you know platforms that are famous for uh giving artists like fractions of a cent on uh purchases or plays or spins or whatever you want to call them that's true so i mean if if we're talking like you know a percentage of a processing fee that the platform takes as opposed to you know the platform just gets to, you know all my music and then i get fractions of a penny you know bandcamp is gonna win my vote yeah that's true um do you know like how how do they work the streaming like do we get paid for streaming through bandcamp i haven't looked into this neither have i i don't think um it's a good question i think um I don't know. I get more purchases through Bandcamp. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you're right. I guess the, the streaming hasn't really been on my radar. Because I know, uh, I think you can set it up different ways, but you get like three or four free streams. And then after that, it's like buy the album or don't listen to it. Right. Um, but I think, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's almost like the... I don't know, the farmer's market of uh, buying music. But if I'm on Bandcamp and I'm listening to an artist, I'm, you know, nine-tenths the way there, I'm probably going to buy the album, you know? I don't know. Do you have any, do you have any opinions on, on any of the... Like, what's, what's the path forward for, for us, do you think? Oh. <sighs> Because uh... I can feel it shifting in that, like, uh, 
it's moved away from labels. People are owning their stuff. And uh, it's, you know, it went from a company taking care of everything to just the artist takes care of everything. So I'm, I'm like every department of a record label, you know? Yeah. It's complicated. I think I, 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 I don't know. Cause who knows what's going to happen. But can you, can you imagine uh, like an infrastructure that would, you know, maximize essentially like musicians profitability or just well-being in general uh i think for the most part the secret to a musician's well-being is getting a real job (laughs) but i'm not like that wasn't a joke (laughs) (laughs) um but there's got to be a way because there are people that do it i don't know like i i think uh a lot of a lot of problems would be solved i think if we, if if everyone just got a job yeah <coughs> but whatever i'm i'm not trying to uh t- like i don't want to tell anyone what to do but i think that's the step like i've been so much happier playing music since i decided like okay i need to have a day job and do this yeah and i've i've actually heard that from from quite a few people and uh i i agree i think it works for uh, a lot of people and it it sure does take the the stress out of um the hustle yeah and it's definitely not it's like i say that now but it's absolutely not the end goal like right. the end goal the end goal is to just like keep grinding and building up and building up and like actually build a career but so much of the so much of the career stress goes away once you make music fun again and you make your money somewhere else yeah i think but also someone uh, like you like you play so much that it's kind of like both things are are ready like you kind of it's a, I feel like it's a bit of a different situation for you. Yeah, I mean, well, pre, pre-pandemic, um, yeah, you're right. I, I was a- able to, um, I guess, sustain myself not having a day job, which, uh, which has been actually really great. And um, the... the you know the, the the hustle like never stops right it's i feel like i'm constantly working it's like just a 24-hour job um the pressure i put on myself for it though has changed a lot in like o- over the years um for for two reasons one being that uh now that again this could all be <laughs> you know different uh, on the other end of the pandemic but uh, um having things uh like just knowing more people 
and having more uh, interactions, like how, like just having more people who can hire you for things and make you part of their projects uh, has sort of taken the uh, the stress of the hustle off because you know as as you work your way into the business more and more uh, more work should come to you you know uh, in a way and I think that that's really helped with it also just uh, just an easing of my own pressure on myself where uh you know, January, February, and you know, most of March was was usually always, uh, you know, an existential crisis every year, and now I know how to deal with that a lot better, and not panic that you know, maybe I went into the worst possible career imaginable, hmm. because in those months it's like, you know, why, <laughs> why did I decide to do this? There's, there's no gigs. Um, yeah, but I like it's, it's, it's more or less, uh, worked in the sense that, um, I like between myself getting my own, my, like getting myself work and then friends of mine getting me work, then it, you just get enough, uh, enough, enough calls from people that uh i mean it it takes so long and it's and it's uh it's not you, you can't count on it right yeah it could, it could all just disappear and for for no no reason and like there was one there's one like uh like batch of time i think it was last year uh sometime in the fall and i remember um you know, just thing, things weren't necessarily coming in. And I was thinking like, oh, you know, I want to make sure that I always want to feel like I'm growing, uh, you know, in, in, in every regard. Uh, but then I, like, I just mentioned this briefly to uh, to a friend and he was just like, you know, sometimes there's no reason for it. For what, and growing? No, for, sorry, for... Uh, you know, some sometimes there's just no work coming your way, uh, whether it's you know, uh, you know things you're trying to get for yourself or pe- people just calling you. Oh, there's no, I see. Yeah, yeah. So like it, it's not something that you did or that other people are doing to you. It's just, you know, the same same reason that like why do you why do you get called for you know. You know that then like I get called for a few gigs in like a short amount of time, and there's like, oh, look how well I'm doing, and that could have equally no reason. You right. Know? I mean, I have no gigs because everyone's out to get me. <laughs> and you should think that way, and it's really healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I've I've also made uh, teaching a part of what I do. And I think I've really steered in that, uh, in that direction, uh, in a good way. Like I, uh, I know I, a, a lot of people that don't teach at all and 
when they say why they don't want to teach, like it's exactly like I totally understand. Um, if I couldn't uh, enjoy the other aspects of it, like when you cite certain certain things, like kids that just aren't in the mood to learn that day, or like you know, don't feel comfortable instructing one on one, like I, I totally get that. But uh, you know, I guess just uh, it's something that. Uh, I never thought I would be this involved in. I never thought I'd be this much of a teacher uh, in music, but it's it's really become, you know, pretty big part of what I what I do, and like my identity as a musician. Have you been well. doing? Uh, have you been doing like a lot of online teaching right now? Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's all online, and it was essentially the same amount of teaching I would have been doing. Uh, in person oh which, well that's all right that's sweet which is yeah yeah it's and uh, like i'm super happy to have that that work still um but certain things like there was uh there's a private high school that i usually taught a semester at that i, I mean didn't happen this year i mean there's like beginner guitar camps i usually teach over the summer that aren't happening this year and like will not happen online like it was just outright canceled. So, so actually, I guess in that regard, my my uh, summer teaching is gonna is way lighter or non-existent. But uh, yeah, I've been teaching online, and that's had its uh, serious challenges. Um, but also, to be a musician and still have work, I'm, you know. I feel super lucky to even have the the infrastructure to make that happen, you know. Yeah, definitely. I'm so lucky to uh just have my Rex thing still. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's awesome that you get uh can I ask you a bit about about that? Yeah. Like uh in terms of the renovations, like I'm I'm excited about what uh what I'm going to see when it opens up again. Uh paint new paint that's good uh new stage so is it is it the same shape stage or yeah they uh, basically just put a new top on it that's so cool man i'm excited for that i'm so i'm so glad that uh they're you know you're gonna gonna come out of the other end of this and uh be doing okay i mean it's it's got to be one of the longest standing jazz venues in uh in the city yes is is it is it the lo- longest standing jazz i would venues? i would assume so maybe grossman's yeah. has it beat but yeah <laughs> i don't know how by how much yeah grossman's just looks older <laughs> yeah. um because next door was uh One of the famous Toronto venues was next door. Like maybe maybe George's. Oh really? Uh next door to Grossman's. No, to the Rex. Oh to the Rex. Oh, I don't know. It's one of those things like uh you know, whenever talking to you know, one of the guys that used to play there, uh I, I swear I've been told where it is so many times and I'm like, Oh yeah. 
So whatever it was, the, the venue yeah. next door was one of the, like, whatever you call it, venues of Toronto jazz. Right. Whether it was George's or whatever. Um, and then the Rex started having, and they would all come to the Rex to drink on their breaks. Oh, okay. And then eventually they were just like, hey, why don't we, why don't we have music also? Really? So the Rex used to be a non-music venue? Yes. You like it, eh? Like it's a, it's a good gig, right? For the most part, it's the best. Yeah. The bad nights are bad. But Yeah, well, you, you got to I mean, it's I imagine it's a lot of just yeah, mostly good, but then you know, you're you're at, you're at like a simmer for for the most part and then every once in a while something boils over. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting how uh the crazy uh the people who are issues always show up on the same night <laughs> it's just like like on like like on a tuesday or something like on the same day of the week or no there's like no rhyme or reason it's like when it's like when the full moon is or something yeah i don't Venus know this is in retrograde you just get the uh the yahoos are all on the same night and there's po- there's points like before the night sort of starts we're all standing by the bar and then like one of the one of the like older not older age wise but people who have been there the longest yeah we're just sort of standing there and and they're like yeah it's going to be one of those nights cuz you can uh, just like they can it's in the air they know yeah. i can't tell yet like thir- like hour and a half later i'm like <laughs> and they saw it coming the whole time yeah like there's some some kind of uh intuition that comes with uh dealing with yahoos uh you would have been there every week this month yeah that's right uh we would have been there uh every sunday uh that's always been a good slot for us and uh tom seems to uh think that as well which has been really good um yeah the sunday dinner slot this uh it's usually seven to nine right and um yeah we get it's because it's a quieter night in that um not that it's not full but it's uh you know people people are there are there more to listen it seems it seems like a good you know, two hours to uh, present some music. Because, I mean, when we first, when Angela and I first started uh, playing at the Rex, it was, uh, you know, there were there was no, like, bass or percussion or drums. It was, it was me, Angela, and, uh, and Chase Sanborn. And people were quiet. It was awesome. People really... Uh, you know, understood that it was, you know, you, you couldn't, you know, yell a conversation across the table and be perceived as respectful at the same time, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so that's been, that's been a great slot and we've sort of grown the band over the years to uh, include, uh, you know, Pat Collins on bass, Robin Claxton on drums. Um, and, 
So there was one night we were playing there, one one of these residencies, and um, on a on a set break, someone comes up to Angela and goes, "Can I play with the band?" And I don't know, like, do, if you you deal with any of these uh, occurrences, but sometimes uh, you know you just you just get like sort of an intuition where. Um, someone comes up and says, Hey, can I play with the band? And you're just like, you can't just come on stage. Like we have a set list. We rehearse for this. <laughs> yeah. Like this isn't a, uh, like a jam session. Like there is, there is a jam. It's too, you know, uh, there's a designated time for, for people to just for, come on there's stage. a designated time for fucking crazy people to show up with their ukuleles yeah. and make some racket. Yeah, and uh, like I've had uh, on more than one occasion, not not at exactly at the Rex, but there other times where where people, you know, it's it's my trio playing, like not not this band uh, that I was just talking about, but like my trio playing, you know, guitar, bass, drums, and someone comes up to me and like, hey, can I play a song on guitar? Like borrow my guitar to play a song. I'm like, I'm working here. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not just gonna like hand the lead role to someone I just met. Uh, I've also had someone uh, come up and be like, "Oh, like my kid is a really good singer. Can uh, you know get up and play a tune?" I'm like, "I I got this whole thing mapped out, you know." Um, and there was uh, there's even one time it was at the Rex. And it was uh, when we were doing this this project, like the Brazilian music project, and someone came up and said, "Hey, can I can I play your guitar for a song next set?" And I was like, uh, "Nope, <laughs> that's not gonna happen." <laughs> like, you know, my my name's on the marquee. You know, <laughs> it's you know me and Angela on the marquee. Uh, people aren't. That's not what people are here to see. Is is you know. Uh, and then, so what happened was, I, someone gave him, he asked, he asked someone else, I think he asked uh, Robin, like the drummer, and uh, was like, hey, do you, do you think I could play a song next set? I'll like play guitar. And he was like, I don't know, you'll have to ask Chris. And uh, he, so this guy took it as like a yes. And then he came up and asked me, and he was like, hey, is it okay? And I was like, nope. And then I, somehow he flipped it in his head and uh, someone tapped me on the shoulder on the set break and was like, hey, look on stage. Did you say he could play your guitar? And there's like a guy just like fully strumming like campfire chords by himself Jesus. on the set break on on stage. And I'm like sprinting from the back of the room to the stage i'm like no 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 <laughs> who was the door guy i don't remember uh that, yeah that wasn't in my memory that's like it was before your time for sure we have we have two jobs take people's money and don't let anyone on stage yeah <laughs> but i like i could also see uh, not not that I knew that this happened or not, but I could imagine this guy that went up and did that saying to the door guy, like, oh, no, he said it was fine. 
you know um that's how like out of whack this situation was um but anyways, yeah, we've been doing uh, we've been doing residencies at the Rex for I don't know, like probably four years or so, four or five years maybe. Sweet. Um, yeah, Tom has been super nice to us, and uh, I mean the Rex has got to got to be one of the only places where you can actually sell CDs from the from the stage, and um, you know get people on your mailing list and get people to chip in for the uh, tip jar and um, actually leave with some money. So, um, and like you always hear about, uh, you know, I, uh, I read that the, the famous Thelonious Monk uh, biography in, you know, when quarantine started and it's interesting to hear how the, the venues of the time do shape the music in a way mm -hmm. they shape the artists because it gives them a place, you know, cause you need like, it needs to exist in, uh, in a venue and like hearing, hearing monks like relationships with, with certain venues and certain venues, giving him like a lot of freedom to uh, do what he wants. And, um not that it's a, a exactly the same with with the rex but um like what other venue in uh in toronto can you can you do you know at least four weeks in a row with the same band same music and really get to uh exercise that in a in a way because like rehearsing once a week for a month is not the same at all as having a gig yeah yeah there's nowhere else yeah um so super grateful for that yeah fuck i can't wait to get back at it yeah and then um you know coincidentally i got to release a record in the in the, <laughs> <laughs> the windstorm of all this <laughs> jesus um when did it come you out get, Friday? Uh on the nineteenth. So it is oh, yeah. it is out and uh you can get it everywhere. Everywhere it is. Uh everywhere that um you can stream music. Um it is available. You can also uh what are you gonna say you, like you can I already said that you can get hard copies on Bandcamp and digital copy. Um also if you just send us an email we'll We'll mail one to you. Talking to me? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm... <laughs> Anyone who wants one. Anyone who still has a CD player. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't want this to come off as insensitive in, in any way. I just want to point out the, like the serendipity or the coincidence of it is to you know, plan a record for two years. And then when it was done, we had album release party planned and it was at uh Hughes room and they just went under. 
So we had to scramble to find a new venue. And then the pandemic hit. And, you know, the, the tour we had planned canceled. I know, I know a, a lot of artists had, uh, you know, a lot of people are in a lot worse situations. I, I don't want to be unsympathetic to that. And then, so part of our plan was to do like a pre-order campaign and uh, which, you know, for, for us went, went really well and we're really happy about it. And then uh, all of a sudden, like social media just became, you know, an upheaval of, you know, we're, we're talking the entirety of America's existence coming into question on Instagram and it's in the exact seven days that we're trying to like launch this uh, Kickstarter campaign and it, you know, to super, super awkward to be like, ever everyone's like protesting in the streets and uh posting uh posting everything and we're like don't forget to check out kickstarter <laughs> it's like yeah it's uh like historically like terrible timing <laughs> yeah it's a, it's been uh been a busy couple weeks yeah so uh you know well exactly. cutting that out <laughs> you know what i mean cut that part out it's not gonna it's not, it's not gonna play well <laughs> i it's hard to imagine that all those things can happen at once on one like album cycle that's a lot yeah yeah just, uh like globally because there were already a, a few album specific hurdles that we dealt with um one of the songs had a significant copyright uh like it it, it took a lot of emails to make sure that the that this one song could work do you want to and, get into that or no uh i mean what, what what do you want to know do you have i have i talked to you about the whole you've whole you've sort of mentioned it to me but if it's a if you think it's an interesting story like I th i'm sure some people might find interesting so chris tried to put out a record with <laughs> no i <I'm> <laughs> CD Baby wouldn't let him put this music out. I I, I don't know. Here, I'll I'll tell it, and you you tell me if uh, if it's if it's interesting enough to uh, to leave in. So, one of the one of the tunes that we really love is called uh, "Lendas Brasileiras." I'm saying it horribly wrong, uh, but it just means Brazilian legends, and it's a it's a tune composed by uh Ginga who's a Brazilian guitarist and singer and it's like the guitar part uh is really great and the the melody is just beautiful like it, the whole thing is uh really struck me as uh something great 
And I had only heard an instrumental version of this song with, uh, is the correct term vocables? Where it's like la la la's and oohs and like just no 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 lyrics. Um, Scatting. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, it you know he wasn't like scatoodle be woo you know. <laughs> uh, so that's going in the teaser. <laughs> the uh, so the the version that I knew and had always known was this instrumental version. And I was like, Hey, I lifted the guitar part. Um, uh, this is to Angela. And I said, uh, it'd be great if we could, you know, do this song and you like, all you have to do is learn the melody. You don't have to learn words. So we've been playing it for years. It's been this beautiful, uh, duo song. And eventually when we came time to, uh, when it came time to, you know, plan out the record, uh, we thought, uh, be a good idea to put lyrics to it and Angela put lyrics to it and it's like really she caught the the vibe of the song I, I think pretty exactly and so uh are the English are the words in English yeah the words she wrote are in English and we had contacted Ginga's people to make sure that like we're we're okay to record it and release it and like uh you know we'll make sure that it's all uh legally okay uh we're not you know full transparency we're not trying to like steal anything right uh and so we actually hear back from Ginga's people and they're like yep this is fine uh and this was a year, sorry, this is about six months before we had even gone into recording. And so we thought, great, we have the composer's permission directly. Uh, went in, recorded it, sounded beautiful. And uh, then as we're getting closer to the final <clears throat> actual like the ma- the mixing mastering's done and uh we're going through the final steps of of the copyright cuz it's it's a uh, the whole album is covers and uh the last song was was that song because what happened was even though we got permission from the composer we needed permission from the lyricist turns out there are portuguese lyrics to the song already and you need permission from the original lyricist to change the lyrics uh as an adaptation and uh we sent i mean countless emails to uh anyone that could know the uh the lyricist until uh it was it was essentially like a cold call. I just sent out a message to someone. I was like, I barely know this person, or like I don't really know this person at all. Sent sent an, uh, an email to them, and I was like, Do you know this person? And she was like, I know I know his wife. I could call her in Brazil and ask her if it's okay that you put English lyrics to this. And so a week goes by, and this is after like this we're about a year into trying to get permission for this song. Uh, 
uh, from from the lyricist. And uh, then we hear back, and like we're ready to release this thing, press it, release it. And uh, we hear back, and and she goes, "He said no." <laughs> And uh, so after, you know, feeling bad for ourselves, uh, I thought there were a couple of ways forward. Um, One being, so there's a solo section in the song. So I thought maybe we can just cut out all the lyrics, just have the solo section happen, be like sort of like an interlude between two songs, really. Just have like the solo guitar thing happen. And the other one was go back in the studio and re-record all the lyrics in Portuguese as they were originally written. Which is allowed. Yep. So uh, in it's allowed, uh, but we would be paying full copyright for that song um, as, as we did every other song. Um. And so that was that was what we ended up doing. It ended up working with the original lyrics. Uh, that solo section ended up having to be sung over, but it uh, it worked. And uh, that's how it's released is with the original Portuguese lyrics. Angela went in and re-recorded. Uh, I mean, she learned the whole song in a language she doesn't know, uh, and uh, crushed it. Sweet. Yeah. She's a monster. Literally everything went wrong. And then uh, Angela also gave birth to two children in the process. Two? Two. Yeah. Obviously, you've been working on this album for longer than I <laughs> than I thought. Yeah. Damn. I don't want to lump that in with the things that went wrong. I was just saying there's been a lot of events. Yeah, so I mean to to have it out now and to just be sitting on something for two years. Um it's like a it's more of it's more of like an exhale than it is a party, you know? Or like, especially because we didn't get to do a CD release or an album release party, you know. Uh, that sucks so bad. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get to do one eventually. Uh, but that, I mean, I, I feel like j- just as a human being, you need an event, like an external event. Uh, to really mark the, uh, to mark, I don't know, mark, mark a time in your, I don't know. You know what I mean? No. No? <laughs> I, I need, I need, I needed a damn, uh, album release party to, uh, you know, feel the, uh, the weight of the project lift. Yeah. I but, hear you. That that being said, I'm I'm super proud of it, and I don't think. Um, I mean, 
it's it's cool to think I'll have it forever, and that what we put into it is going to be there forever. Well, I, I I guess I'm just looking at it like, uh, you know, going through just uh, so many so many things that go that go into making an album the way you want. Um, you know, there there's so many parts of it that are unglamorous that I'm glad that I never have to do those things again. But the the best part of the album, the fact that the the music exists, gets to live on for a lot longer. You know, like the the really small, in terms of like the overall uh, timeline, where I'm like trying to get the digital downloads out to the early uh, purchasers or like the kickstart back Kickstarter backers, um, and like having a really hard time making that work in a seamless way <clears throat> like I, n- I don't have to do that uh for this album again you know but the album the album you know the music gets to be the the music forever the music gets to be the music forever i couldn't have said it any better or worse <laughs> Any other any pressing issues you want to tell my idiot listeners? <laughs> How's the podcast going, by the way? Like, Awful. Uh, really? It's the worst. I don't like it anymore. No one's listening. Uh, I guess that's what I meant more is like the listener. Like, are you getting consistent listening or no? No. Yeah, maybe maybe people aren't commuting. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe people are sick of me. I don't know. <laughs> who knows yeah people not commuting have you found your uh podcast listening has adjusted my podcast listening has gone through the roof like i just that's almost my only source of entertainment at this point yeah i find i'm i'm watching podcasts a lot more i mean that's yeah that's what i'm doing yeah um And I've been listening to uh, a couple things a, a lot, a few different records. But aside from that, not listening a ton. Have you heard the new Ambrose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I love it. Um, my my listening has been has been pretty sporadic. I guess um, that I just want to pull up what like, what I'm listening to. Well, ever since ever since reading that monk biography, like I've been on a on a another monk wave of listening. You know, like getting to sort of track what uh, you know the, the albums that he came out with, and getting to listen to them all while uh, sort of following along on the book in the book you know um and it like i was already i was already a big fan and to yeah to read what was going on in his life at the time of some of those recordings and how like some of them were uh you know in less than ideal circumstances and 
Yeah, going back to like what something you said uh, a while back has stuck with me, where like documentation is really important, and I feel that as a as a listener of like taking Monk in as uh, Monk as an example, um, getting to hear his career through his life and how it changed, and I'm not saying improved. Uh, but just getting to hear like the different aspects of his life, life sort of come through his music. And um, it's not always a human element where it doesn't have to be. Um, it doesn't have to be any particular way. It just has to be the whatever he's... Uh, how, whatever he is at the time. I think that's cool. I forgot what my point was uh, for that was. Does doesn't matter. It's a point, pointless podcast. Oh yeah, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Documentation, right? Um, that's really cool. And this is a document. This album is a document of um, last two years of my life. In a way, you know. I think that's I think that's good. <laughs>